Great to be here. Just just a a couple of things to kind of set the stage. Number one, I want you to know when we do communion, we're not done. We're only halfway. So I, I just... You know, I, I hate to come to communion and have everybody think, oh, that was short and sweet. That was good. They're leave for your yeah, well, I, I, I do most of my speaking after communion, so, <laughs> so stick around. Don't, don't leave during communion. And, and then secondly, I'm a little bit disappointed that you, you didn't wear a sweater vest. Well, you know, and I didn't even it's, think about it this morning. You didn't think about it? That's even more disappointing. I, I thought about it. But I didn't act upon oh, it. Oh, okay, okay. Well, and then the worship team said I could have made a quick trip to Goodwill and probably found one. I, I could have brought you on. I, yeah, you could have. <laughs> I got like 50 at home. The staff, one time, we, we had a staff retreat, and uh, somebody stole a bunch of my sweater vests, and everybody wore me. one. That was before your time. Hey, it's, it's really good to be here, and, and very, very humbling. Um, humbling because all of this is evidence of God at work, and, and honestly, any time we see God at work, it, it should bring a little bit of humility, right, to, to our hearts. It's kind of like one guy said one time, anytime you see a turtle up on a fence post, you know it didn't get there by itself. <laughs> and, and what's going on here, um, th- this is not just you by yourself, Calvary by itself, this is... This is God at work, and, and uh, we're, we're talking today about seeing God, and, and part of seeing God is seeing God at work, experiencing God's presence. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's our, our gritty blessing for, for this weekend, and I, I know that at least some of you here, maybe many of you, probably all of us at some point have prayed some version of that prayer, God, I, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. I want to experience your presence. God, I, I want to see you at work. I mean, that's one of the places we, we kind of not settle for, but at least kind of pull back to say, at least, God, let me see your hand at work in my life, in the lives of people around us. I want to see God. And I can't tell you how often I've prayed some version of that prayer. God, show me, show me your glory. Show me your hand. I want to see you. I want to know you. Open my eyes. You open the eyes of my heart. We, we sing those kinds of words. But let's be honest, before we really jump in, if we believe the biblical account, especially the Old Testament, but even into the New Testament, but if we believe the biblical account, um, seeing God has an edge to it. I, I mean, ask Moses about seeing God. In Exodus 33, there was the tent of meeting. Anybody was allowed to go into the tent of meeting to meet with God. Nobody except Moses, as far as we know, Moses and Joshua would, would ever go in. The, the people would bow low from a distance. It said they watched from a distance as the cloud of God's presence descended upon the tent. But nobody went. Everybody said, Moses, you go listen to God because if we hear the voice of God, we'll die. There, there was an edge to seeing God. And, and, you know, Moses, of course, said, God, show me your glory. And, and God said, listen, Moses, not even you. All, all you can see is the backside of my glory. And, and uh, I'm, I'm guessing that if, if seeing God full on for Moses would have killed him, seeing the backside of his glory still left him shaking for, for days. And, and then there was Isaiah. He wrote about it in Isaiah chapter 6. And, and that was just a vision. He saw, had a vision of God sitting on a throne high and lifted up, angels surrounding the throne, crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He saw the, the temple fill up with the smoke of God's presence. And, and Isaiah says, was undone. I was undone. In, in, in the part of me that I thought was the most successful, my, my speaking, he was a prophet of God. And he said, I was, I was undone. 
when, when you get to heaven someday, ask the shepherds, <laughs> you know, what it was like for them to get close to God's glory. They caught just a nighttime glimpse of God's glory when, when Jesus was born. And you remember the story, sheep herders camping in the neighborhood, guarding their sheep. Suddenly God's angel stood among them. God's glory blazed around them, and they were terrified. And, and the angel says, don't be afraid. The Bible is full of people who caught a glimpse of God's glory only to have God's glory turn their lives upside down and their hearts inside out. Have you ever been undone by God? Has God ever turned your life upside down and your heart inside out? And, and I think sometimes we pray that prayer, God, I want to see your glory. We pray that prayer with, you know, a, a little bit of a, we don't say this to God, but a little bit of a, well, I don't want that much glory. I don't see that much glory. Like, you know, just enough God to help me through the day, right? Not so much God that I'm undone. And, and actually, that's called an idol. <laughs> there is no mini-me version of the one true and holy God. He cannot be managed. He is untamable and unstoppable and dangerously all-consuming. He will not be satisfied with less than all 100% of your heart. So I think the question we ask ourselves as we open up this morning is simply this, do I really want to see God? I mean, do I really want to see God? And, and I answer that question with just a, a little bit of holy fear and trembling, but, but man, then I also think of Jesus in the midst of the storm, <laughs> you know, speaking to the wind and the waves, be still, and, and how Peter was just moved when, when that happened. Um, I, th- I think of being a part of a, uh, a group that uses a sack lunch to feed a multitude. I-, I think about Peter on a beach after he had denied Jesus three times. And I think of a woman at a well who was a five-time loser at love. I, I think of Mary at the cross and-, and then again at the empty tomb. And I think of Paul getting knocked off his donkey. <laughs> and man, just seeing Jesus change their lives. Think of John's visions and revelation, and I can't help but think, God, we, we do, I do. I, I want to I see you. I want to know you. I want to be saturated with your glory. Open my eyes. And, and then we read in, in John, excuse me, in Matthew 5, 1 through 8. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And then blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I just want us to say today, I mean, even if we're not sure what it means, I just want to say, I want to see God. I want to see God. Show me your glory. Very simple. I I want to see God. Show me your glory. In Psalm 24, 1 through 6, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in this holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord, vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Now what does it mean to have a pure heart? We're going to talk about two different meanings to that, two different emphasis that we think are both in the Beatitudes. Purity is a quality of heart. And it's also a quantity of heart. 
It's a quality of heart and a quantity of heart. You, you've heard the phrase, purely devoted to you. That's, that's like the quantity of heart. And then we know kind of that moral purity, that, that part of it is, is the quality of heart. It's both how good is my heart and how much of my heart does Jesus get. We need a heart like Jesus, and we need a heart for Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So Sean is going to kind of kick us off by talking about the, the quality of your heart. Thanks, Dan. So when we're presented with the concept of purity, oftentimes our minds go directly to things like uh, sexual abstinence or sobriety uh, or living a clean, sinless life. And though these things do accurately define purity, uh, they're external purities. And Jesus says in verse 8, purity of heart. So that's looking internally. And it's, it's interesting here that Jesus doesn't spend a lot of time speaking to our external lives because he knows that our hearts must be changed first. We must be changed from the inside out. And when we experience this kind of a heart change, uh, then there's a shift in our, in our behaviors and our attitude and our culture. And then in our actions externally, uh, that'll be a change as a result of the internal. You know, Jesus wants our hearts to genuinely desire uh, things that are pleasing to him. Then our lives will reflect and produce the things that are pleasing to him. So when we receive Jesus into our hearts, when we become a Christ follower, when we become a disciple of Jesus, or as we call it at Calvary, an apprentice of Jesus, uh, he begins this transformation within our hearts. Our love for him will translate into a hunger to know him and a thirst to live like him. And as importantly, a, a, a thirst and hunger to live for him. It's a pure heart, a heart that desires nothing more than to be with God. So if we break down these words, the Greek word for pure in this verse is katharos. And it means to be clean or unstained from guilt. Interestingly, the word uh, can specifically refer to that which is purified by fire or pruning. So John the Baptist told people that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's in Matthew 3. And Malachi speaks of the Messiah as being like a refiner's fire. And Jesus refers to believers uh, as being the branches and himself as the vine. So in order for a vine to produce fruit, it must be pruned. So those of us who are truly pure are those who have been declared innocent because of the work of Jesus and who are being set apart by his refining fire and his pruning. So now the Greek word for heart in this verse is kardeia. Now this can be applied to the physical heart, but it really refers to the spiritual center of our lives. It's where our thoughts, our desires, our sense of purpose, our will, our understanding and character reside. So to be pure in heart means to be blameless in who we actually are. Shad Berry said this about the heart. He said, it's not the organ that pumps blood through your body. Cardia is the figurative core of your being. It is the seat and center of human life, emotion, and volitional will. It's the causative source of one's psychological life in its various aspects. All that to say your heart is a huge deal, and it definitely deserves a lot of attention and care. And when we have a pure heart, we should automatically display then externally the fruits of the Spirit that we see in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. And once we put those on, if we read a little further into chapter 6, we're then to carry each other's burdens. So, church, let me ask you, how have these qualities been evident in your life, in your heart internally? Is there a purity of heart? Let me ask you a second question. How have these qualities been evident through the ministries here at Calvary Lewistown? So we want to take a little bit of a stroll down memory lane, looking back at God's goodness and faithfulness. And you saw some of it in the video highlights, and we're going to give a few more dates. And Dan, this one I don't even know, but for some time before uh, some of us even showed up at Calvary Harvest Fields, Calvary Church was praying for a move of God in the central PA region. And I think the focus was to have a church plant in, and this was pre-pandemic, but to have a church plant in the seven counties surrounding Center County. I don't know what year God gave you that vision, but it started back then. Yeah, and I don't know what year yeah. either. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible look back. Every, everything is like seven years or ten years ago, um, if it's a long time ago. When we were talking about more. the five-year anniversary, yeah. he's like, five years? It feels like one. Yeah, two and or three been, at the most. There was a pandemic in the middle. Yeah, I do. I do remember off. that. Um, but in but, May, but I, I will say this. Th- this is kind of a cool part to me. Um, one of the things that we say at Calvary all the time is every time we disadvantage ourselves on behalf of the church, you know, the broader church, another organization or whatever, um, God blesses us. And, and one, of the, one of the just immediate responses to that, I mean, I don't mean immediate like within days, but it, it was close enough that it was like, oh yeah, this is what God is doing. Um, I was preaching, and, and I won't go deeply into the sermon because I might, yeah, I might you, do this sermon two, again. Remember? What's that? You're part two. No, I just, just a second. <laughs> I'll say it really quick. This is, I didn't have this on my notes. I was preaching on, on the book of Haggai, and uh, I know some of you say that name different, but it's Haggai. really ha- Haggai. Um, anyway, and, and uh, there's a place where God says to the people, um, I'm, I'm putting holes in your pockets. I'm making it hard for you to bring money home because you're more concerned about your house than you are about our ho- my house. And, and I really felt like as I was preaching that, like God was saying, you're, you're too concerned about Calvary, more concerned about Calvary than you are my house, the broader church. And so that morning I said, Okay, this is kind of last minute, but we're going to give our offering to other churches in the community, and, and I want you to give, you know, the most money you've ever given before, said the Calvary. And, and other than a capital campaign offering, I think it was pretty close to our largest offering ever. It was over $50,000, and so we gave that money away to churches in the communities that we were at, and it actually wasn't that long after that that, that we started connecting with Lewistown and, and after that that we got this. And it was just another example of, you know, the turtle on the post. Yeah, like, you can't do that without God. So, yeah. anyway. So, I think it was May of 2017 that John and Nicole Swanger and Roxy Garrett started attending uh, uh, Harvest Fields on Saturday nights. Yeah. They loved that because there was a meal there. And they're like, you got to check this church out. And honestly, John kept, like, Several times, well, you got to check this church out. And Tara and I were between ministry jobs, and we were like, well, respectfully, we're going to decline because they're not, they don't have any job opportunities there, and I, I kind of need to look for churches that have a job. So we declined for a while until August 
uh, of 2017. Uh, there was a weekend that Tara and I had free, and, and John had worn us down, and we're like, okay, we'll go with you. And I think I don't think we went on a Saturday night with them, but we went on a Sunday morning, and, and you were sharing Calvary's vision for the church, not just Calvary, but for partnering with other churches. And Tara and I walked away from that very refreshed and excited. We, we came back a second week, and there was a little bit more of that vision cast. And then I remember sending an email to you and Stacy Sublett, um, just introducing myself, but thanking you for your vision and saying, hey, we, we could use some of that vision in Mifflin County. So we got together for lunch. We met at Kelly's in Bullsburg, and uh, we had a lunch together. And uh, I think I reiterated again, hey, I think you guys really need to have this vision in, in Mifflin County. And you were like, well, we're not just wasting our time here having a meal together. You know, this is what we're here talking about. You probably don't remember that. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't really know him well. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Um, and then in October uh, of that year, um, Calvary leaders from Harvest Field yeah. met with a group of us uh, that were coming from Mifflin County. Um, Glee Pavlova was attending Harvest Fields even prior to some of us. And, I, and like I said, there was about 25 of us that had a meal that day. Just You were sharing a little bit more of Calvary's uh, culture, DNA, vision. And uh, we had a great lunch together. And uh, Lynn, you, you got yeah. to talk. Uh, and you said that you loved coming to our community because you so enjoyed eating at Red Robin. Yeah, yeah. That was... We don't have a Red Robin here. <laughs> That's Lewis Berg. Oops, yeah. Berg town. What's the difference? <laughs> Sorry, Lynn. <laughs> Not Reds. Um, and then uh, in November of 2017, I was actually hired at Calvary Harvest Fields as a facilities director. Not the job that I was pursuing, but Tara and I saw it as a stepping stone to be part of Calvary's uh, culture and DNA and be part of staff meetings. And uh, so uh, I started in November, and right before Christmas of that year, December of 2017, Dan, you asked if I would consider going through the pastor-planter assessments. And I ignorantly and quickly said, sure, not knowing what I was getting myself into. And so uh, January and February of 2018, Every day I was writing reports, doing evaluations, and it was a really rigorous process to go through. Um, but we did that, and then in March of 2018, uh, Stacy and Kim Sublet uh, took Tara and I to Brooklyn, uh, New York City, for what they called the um, assessment retreat. And they lied mm. because it, wasn't, it was not a retreat, was it, Tara? <laughs> no, it was two full days of interrogation, getting to know... Uh, our, um, our EQ, uh, our spiritual, uh, our, our family dynamic, uh, our, our models for evangelism and discipleship. And uh, it was hard. It was a really hard two days. And then they made us wait for like a month. And you didn't pass. We didn't pass. No. <laughs> Actually, right away we didn't. But thank God that Kim and Stace were there. They, they weren't familiar with the multi-site strategy, so they right. were really struggling, struggling to understand how I was a pastor, but yet I wasn't preaching every Sunday morning from the stage. So Stacy had to spend a fair amount of time convincing them about what a multi-site strategy looks like. So we, we got through. Uh, not that day, but we got through. And, um, and I think it was April uh, of that spring that we got the okay to proceed. And um, they actually gave us um, $60,000 
um, over five years uh, to go towards planting uh, this church here. And Dan, I think this is appropriate for me to pause here and, and just say thank you. Thank you to you and Calvary's leadership for seeing something in Tara and me and investing in us and kind of giving us that that push. A lot of it was a, a push, um, but there were so many things in your coaching that you drew out of us because I was not looking for uh, a position like this. I was looking to work in a worship arts department mm-hmm. somewhere. And uh, so thank you for seeing that. That, that means a lot to our family. Mm-hmm. Um, the summer of 2018, we um, had small group Bible studies. We held them at East End Coffee, which uh, if you're from the area, you got to love that coffee shop. The owners are not Christ followers, but they said, hey, you're, you're, you're meeting together and having a Bible study. Here's the key to our building. And, and Nicole worked there. And they're like, you can make coffee, have your Bible study in here, which was just phenomenal that we got to meet in that building and, um, and really come together as a small group. And uh, we were praying specifically for a church. And Kathy, this is when you were praying that a church building would open up in downtown Lewistown. And I honestly, and Kathy knows this, I've told her this before, I thought she was crazy that a building would just open up in downtown Lewistown. Our heart was really for the downtown mm-hmm. area, but she persevered. And she kept praying that prayer, and uh, obviously we saw that come uh, to fruition. October of 2018, we had our unofficial launch, our very first service. Uh, just down the street at the Lumina Center, they, uh, they had um, a Jewish synagogue slash chapel uh, that, was, uh, that was there. And, uh, and honestly, I think this is appropriate. If you came as a first-time attender to that room and you're still here today, we honor you. Because that was not the most guest-friendly place, was it? <laughs> and actually, I'm going to ask you, if you were part of Calvary Lewistown within the first three to six months, can, can you stand now so that we can recognize you? You faithful ones, go ahead, stand up all over the room. Yeah, thank you. You sit down, thank you. Um, Let's see, I missed a date in November of 2018. Um, I got a little... A little, no, I didn't get it. No. I'm right on. November right of 2018, um, you and I went to Vince's Pizza, and we met with Charlie Stump. Charlie, who's going to lead some prayer a little later in the service, was the interim pastor here at First Baptist Church. And um, he was actually resigning slash retiring at the end of that year. And he knew that we were a church plant and that we needed a space. So we met, had dinner together, and, uh, and uh, really just kind of strategized and prayed through what it could look like for us to be part of what was happening here at First Baptist. We all walked away pretty excited about that. Charlie went to his leadership team here, and they're like, no, we're not going to do that. So there was a little bit of this. uh, We were deflated in spirit, but we kept persevering in our prayer that God would open up something for us. And then in December of 2018, we had our official launch, Christmas Eve Eve, if I recall. Um, We held it down at the Rec Park Community Center. Um, And then in March of 2019, uh, First Baptist Church was operating without any leadership or any regular pastor, uh, but they called us again. They were tired, and they said, maybe we should re-talk about this. So a group of us from Calvary got together with them, and we talked and prayed about what it could look like. Um, In Easter, uh, April of 2019, we had to move to the Rec Park Community Center again. May of 2019, we outgrew the Lumina Center Chapel, and we moved into the gymnasium uh, portion of that building. Uh, And then June 10th of 2019, we had our very first combined service uh, with First Baptist uh, here in this room. 
Uh, they prayed about it for a week. Uh, the following Sunday, which would have been Father's Day, um, they uh, approved uh, giving uh, the building to uh, Calvary. And if this doesn't prove, we talked about this, the don't quit yeah. grit, the resiliency, they could have so easily have thrown in the towel, closed the doors of this building, put a for sale sign on it, um, and, and, and be done with it that way. But they, they did something that was hard for them, but they wanted to see the work of God continue to happen in downtown Lewistown. And so they blessed that uh, out. The following Sunday, I, I remember getting a phone call from Roger Shimp uh, on Father's Day in the afternoon. And I, we were driving over the mountain to, to visit Tara's family. And he called. And he said, Sean, it was, it was unanimous. It was approved. What's next? And I said, we celebrate now, but we're not going to talk about it today, Roger. Let's talk tomorrow. We talked that following day. And he said, we don't have a pastor lined up for next weekend. Can, can Calvary just go ahead and, and, and start leading in this building? And we said, of course. All of our stuff is in Nelson's trailer. And we're just going to move it to wherever we have a place to go. And we moved it over here. And that would have been the first week we took occupancy, the 24th of June of 2019. And for those of you who are new or newer to Calvary, um, they didn't just give us this facility. If that wasn't enough... They also gave us the house next door, which we have a couple rental units, <clears throat> excuse me, and they gave us $120,000 cash uh, to, to really do some much-needed renovations uh, in this building and to really catapult us and give us a great start here. And then, uh, of course, September and the pan- or, uh, 2020 and the pandemic, but September of 2020, um, the deed transfer mm. was, was final- finalized at Calvary. Harvest Field. So you may be sitting here thinking, that's a lot of dates. Why are these so important? And uh, we were just talking in a meeting this week that the results of the 2020 census are now out. I haven't had the time to explore those, but as we were uh, casting a vision for what the plant could look like um, in Lewistown, we looked at the 2010 census. And according to those numbers, in Mifflin County alone, there uh, are about 47,000 Residents. Did you realize that 25% of the residents in our county live underneath the poverty mm. line? 11,000 of the residents living here in Mifflin County claim to have some form of an evangelical affiliation. And that gets real loose these days. That could mean, yep, I go to church on Christmas and Easter. It probably doesn't mean that they're a Jesus apprentice. So simple math then tells us that about 36,000 people in our community are unchurched, unreached, de-churched, or are the nuns. 36,000 people that live in your neighborhoods, that you work with, that are in your school buildings, that are in your tribe or your affinity group, the people that you share common interests with and hobbies. 36,000 people. So is there a need for God in our community? Psalm 127 one says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Mm. It is my heart, it's Calvary's heart. It's our prayer for us that we don't just do good. We've done a lot of good in our community. And, and that is all great. But it's to take down the barriers between the people in our community that don't know Jesus. We have to share Jesus. The only way that we can truly be pure in heart is to give our lives to Jesus and ask him 
to do the cleansing work inside of each of us. Psalm 51 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So two questions, similar to the other two that I asked, but framed a little differently. Let me ask you individually, what is the quality of your heart? What's the quality of your heart? And the second question would be, what's the quality of the heart of Calvary Lewistown? You know, because honestly, our community does not need a country club style church where people fill in on the weekends and become consumers. No, we need active participants in the gospel mission, sharing that with those that we come in contact with every day. Jesus apprentice, disciple makers. Our desire is not to be the best church in our community. It's our desire to be the best church for our community. So how do we do that? It starts internally by being pure at heart. And God is the only one who can make our hearts pure. And it's through the shed blood and sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And this is exactly why we can celebrate communion. Matthew 26, 29 reminds us of the symbol of communion. Because communion compels us to take a look back at all that God has done for us through his son, Jesus. But it also allows us to take a look forward in anticipation of the day when we will meet and see Jesus face to face. In his sermon, The Sinner's Feast, Lee Eklov describes what should be the celebrative side of communion in the context of worship. He says, this table is different. This table of the Lord isn't where sinners find Christ, but where sinners celebrate being found. Mm. So today, we celebrate together. And at Calvary, we celebrate an open communion, which means you don't have to be uh, a member of this church. We just encourage that you know that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, the greatest decision that you can make. Understanding that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die a cruel death on a cross for you and for me. But he didn't stay dead. In just a couple days, he rose again. He walked this earth where people saw him and it was witnessed. And then he ascended to heaven where he's, a, where he's preparing a place for those of us who have called upon the name of Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives us a few instructions about how we're to handle communion. And the first thing is we need to examine our hearts. We need to examine our hearts. And as you're examining your heart, Is there purity of heart? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to give you a moment to pause, to reflect, and to examine your heart. And then I'll give you a few instructions before we celebrate at the table together. So go ahead and pause now. I love what um, Sean said, that communion is both this opportunity to look back and look forward. We we look back in remembrance, but Jesus said, um, I won't eat again of this deal, this cup and bread. I won't, I won't celebrate this again until you're with me together in heaven. And so every time we take communion, it's a statement of faith. We believe that this is going to happen. And so I, I just want <clears throat> to close by looking forward just a, a little bit to say, so what, you know, what is the next year? What is the next five years? What are the next 10, 15 years going to be like here at Calvary Lewistown in, in this area? What, what's what's going to happen? And and, and to go along with this idea of seeing God at work, um, this idea of purity of heart, we, we, we rightly and, and often firstly go to this whole idea of kind of that moral purity. Like, what does my heart look like? What does my actions look like? Where's their sin, the impurity 
of, of sin. But, but this word um, and, and the Greek word katharos, it, it, it literally means unmixed, like 100%. So I want you to think, like, I'm 100% devoted, purely devoted, a heart that's purely devoted to God. It, it's, it's not just a, a matter of being sinless, it's also being single-minded, single-hearted. Nothing else gets a part of my heart. 100% of my heart goes to God. That, that's really what purity of heart is all about. And if you think about it, <clears throat> in Jesus' day, the religious leaders, the, religious, the most religious people, they were so focused on the external purities. i got to make sure that I do this and this and this. And what they found was that there were so many laws and so many rules that they just kind of narrowed it down to a handful and said, you know, we're going to make sure that we get you know, our hands religiously clean before we eat, and we're going to make sure that we get circumcision right. We're going to make sure we get the Sabbath right. And, and, but, but all these other laws, they just got, we, we can't do everything. So, you know, we'll do this. But, but here's, here's what Jesus set up. What Jesus set up is if, if you go after me 100% with your heart, I'm going to work on your heart, and, and then that's going to change how you live. Rather than trying to change the external and thinking that will change my heart, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on your heart and that will change how you live. And so it's this idea of pursuing God single-mindedly, single-heartedly, um, purity of, of heart. And, and it's not just about, uh, about obedience. Obedience is, is crucial, but it's not just about obedience. Obedience without emotion is nothing more than discipline or willpower, and it only works for a short period of time. You can't take the passion out of love and still have love. Affection and passion are, are indispensable aspects of, of love for God. It's not just external obedience to the commands of God. The, the goal is to obey God from the heart. Jack Deere, I love what he said. He said if discipline is what ultimately not that there aren't points where it has to be discipline, but if discipline is what ultimately drives us in our pursuit of Jesus, eventually we will give up that pursuit. But a man or woman in love with Christ will never quit. That's the nature of love. And I love this sentence. Here's, here's what I said. I want my life to be characterized by an unrestrained affection for the Son of God. Now, I'm just going to... This, is, this isn't in my notes. I, I spent some time yesterday... Um, sharing at a workshop, and I'm, I'm just going to share a little bit of that because I think when, when I think about it, there is one thing that we can do that, that encompasses all the things that we could do <laughs> that will put us at a place of, of that kind of purity of heart. And, 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 and maybe I'm simplifying it too much, and, and if so, bear with me. But, but what I, what I want to say to you is, is tell me how much time you give to God, and I'll tell you how pure your heart is. Tell me how much of your time does God get, and I'll tell you how pure your heart is. Not, not you know, when's the last time you looked at pornography, or when is the last time that you, you were angry, or you cursed, or you did something that hurt somebody. I'm just saying, how much time do you actually give to God how much time do you actually give to Jesus? That's, that's one of the things that we have control over, right? I, I, don't, I, don't, I wish I did, but I don't necessarily have total control over 
whether or not I will sin. I mean, God is in the process of redeeming my heart, but man, there's, there's times something hits me and a thought comes into my mind or I respond to somebody in a way of anger and I got to go through the process of forgiveness and confession and redemption and, and all that kind of stuff like, like all the rest of us do. But I can consistently make a decision on how much of my time, how much of my time am I given to Jesus? And, and there's so many different ways that you can give your time to God. You can give your time to Jesus. You can give your time by serving. If you're doing it for God, you know, if you're doing it because of what other people think, you're not, doing, you're not giving God any time. You're giving that person time. You're giving the church time. You're giving the pastor time, whatever, but you're not giving it to God. But if you're, if you're doing it for God because you love Jesus, that, that's giving time. You, you, can, you can do it taking a walk in the woods <laughs> if you're focusing on Jesus. I mean, Paul said, I pray continuously. So there is a way of giving God our time, even in the midst of our work. But, but most of us know we don't do that. <laughs> Maybe some of you are way better at it than I am. But you can have God in your thoughts throughout the day. When, when we go to the Word and we spend time in the Word, that's one way of giving our time to God. I... I, I <laughs> I do this, somebody said something to me this morning about listening to my podcast. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I do a podcast, More Than Bread, it's a scripture podcast. I, I, there's probably about 100 people out of all of Calvary. I, you know, I don't know how, 1,500 people at Calvary, about 100 people who listen to it. I, I complain often to Lynn about how many people listen to it, how much time it's taken me to do this, and I don't know if I should, eh, there's only 40 people who downloaded a podcast today. And, and, uh, and this morning I was thinking about that, and I just I had the clearest conviction from God <laughs> where God said, you, you're not doing that for them, you're doing that for you. <laughs> you need to put more time into spending time in my word. You need to spend more time thinking about what does this mean and how does it apply. It's not for them, it's for you. <laughs> how much time are you giving to God? You know, I, I, I shared at, at the at the workshop the other day. just And, and you, if you've listened to me for a while, you've heard this story before, but just it's, it's the one that impacts me. I mean, Moses is my biblical mentor, and, and uh, I love what D.L. Moody said about Moses. He said Moses spent the first 40 years of his life thinking that he was a somebody. He spent the next 40 years of his life finding out that he was a nobody. And he, found, he spent the last 40 years of his life finding out what God could do with a nobody. And, and I, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years just praying, God, I think I got that second part down. I'd really like to get into that third part. You know, I'd like to find out what you can do with a nobody. But, but Moses, Moses, you know, I mean, just the, the description of Moses, you know, friend of God. I talk with Moses face to face, like a friend talks to a friend. I, 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 had, a, I had a point, just one of those clear as a bell points out, I was driving from Harvest Fields to a, a city church pastor's meeting, and, and, and that verse came to mind in Exodus 33 where, where you know, um, Moses was asking God for his presence and his power to go with him. And, you know, just, and, and I, I just, I, there's, a, there's a part in there where that, that piece of, you know, um, Moses is my friend, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I just remember that verse coming and just saying, God, I, I, I want to be, be used by you, but more than anything in this last third of my life, if I could just be described as a friend of God, um, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want. And, 
And, and so some of you know I've shared this before. In, in the last probably eight, nine, ten years, God has transitioned my breath prayer. My breath prayer is that prayer that you pray kind of without even thinking about it. It just comes out all the time. And my breath prayer used to be, God, would you just put me in the place where you can use me the best? I just want to be used by you. I want to, I want to be used great things by you, but, but I just want to be used by you. And over the course of the last eight or nine years, God has transitioned that breath prayer to, God, just put me in the place where you can love me the best. I just, I just want to be known as, as one of your friends. And, and I, I love, I'll just, I'll leave this pitch with you. This is why I think Moses chose Joshua, or God chose Joshua to be, you know, the next in line for Moses. There's this picture in Exodus 33 where, where Moses is in the tent of meeting. And if you know about the tent of meeting, you know that anybody could go into the tent of meeting. It was like church. Anybody could go in. Anybody was welcome to go in and meet with God. But nobody else did as far as we know. It was only Moses. Moses would go in, and the cloud of God's presence would come down, and, and Moses and God would talk like friends. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't you want that? Moses and God would talk friend to, face to face, Moses, God said. But, but everybody else stayed at a distance. Everybody else kept their distance. It said they would bow low from a distance, said listen from a distance, but they wouldn't go in. They said, Moses, you go listen to God, because if we hear the voice of God, we'll die. But not Joshua. Joshua is the one person that we know of in the whole camp who also would go into the tent of meeting. And, and that there's this picture, and I've, I've hung on to it ever since it occurred to me, Exodus 33, 11, where, where it says, you know, Moses was in there, and the cloud came down, and Moses and God talked. This particular time is where Moses is saying to God, God, do not send us out from here. Do not send us from this place without your power. If your presence doesn't go with us, what good is your power? We want your presence even more than we want your power. That was Moses' prayer. And, and then it says, and then Moses... <laughs> left the tent of meeting, but Joshua stayed behind. And, I, you know, maybe I'm reading into it, so forgive me for that, but I just, I just imagine Joshua staying behind and saying, God, talk to me like you talked to Moses. God, I, I want what Moses has. It's not enough for me to serve somebody who knows you. I, I want to know you myself. And, and I have no idea, you know, what happened. I, I, don't, I don't know if, if while Joshua was there, he heard the voice of God or he heard a gentle rumble. We, we know he heard Moses' voice saying to God, don't, don't send us out of here without your presence. We need your presence more than we need your power. I, I don't know when Moses left. Did the cloud leave? Did the cloud say? I don't know. All I know is that Joshua lingered. And, and I just, I want to encourage you in the next years to come. Be a people who are willing to linger in his presence. Be more concerned about that than what you get done. Because I'm telling you, if you do that, he'll get more done through you than you can even begin to imagine. Take time to linger in his presence. Be, be like Joshua. It, it, when I think about that, it, it adds a whole new texture to Joshua's words in the book of Joshua. That very beginning when, when God says to Joshua, and I will be with you. 
as I was with Moses. Uh, man, that, those are the words that I long to hear. And those are the words that, that all of us need to hear. And I'm telling you, the purity in heart will come as we spend time in his presence. So how much time is he getting? Be creative. Make a list. Go home today and make a list of all the different ways that you could spend time with God. I mean, the Bible and prayer, those are the two keys. Don't forget those. But there's so many other ways. He's an infinitely creative God. And, and I'm telling you, he wants to spend more time. It, there's not a pro, he does not have a problem spending time with you. <laughs> He's with you all the time. I, you do not need to convince God to spend more time with you. You just need to open up your eyes. Be aware of his presence. Ask him for his presence. Prioritize his presence and give him your time. And, and, and make a decision, you know, that next year at this time, sixth anniversary, your heart's going to be a little bit more pure because you've spent a little bit more time with him. Uh, let me pray um, for you, for us. Um, God, thank you so much for um, each and every person here. God, you... There's not a single person here that you love less than the person they're sitting next to. <laughs> and and uh, we're grateful for the size of your heart. We're grateful that um, you might have intimates, but you don't have favorites. <laughs> that, that all of us have the opportunity to be a part of your presence, to be in your presence. And and God, I, I pray, would you just deepen on my heart? Would you deepen on each of our hearts that, that desire to give you our time? God, there's, for, for those of us here who have been following you for a long time, we, we know that this is true. And for those who, who are at the beginning of it, listen as I pray. Um, in the beginning, you, you chase us. You, you pursue us. You, you show up when we need you, sometimes without even asking you. But as we go further and further in this journey with you, there are times where you start to say, it's time for you to chase me. It's time for you to seek me with all your heart. And if you seek me with all your heart, I'll be found. So God, I, I pray that you would give us that heart, that, that we wouldn't just kind of sit back and keep waiting for you to show up, but that we would pursue you. God, it, it says that you're your eyes go forth over all the earth looking for those whose hearts are 100% committed to you. God, may that be us. May, may you change our neighborhoods. May you change the Lewistown School. May you change Lewistown because a, a group of people simply decided, I'm, I'm going to give God more of my time in these coming weeks and months than I ever have before in my life. We thank you for your graciousness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.